I want to say Merry Christmas. It's the first Sunday of December, and we're thrilled that you're here. Over the next number of weeks, we are going to lean in to the Gospel of John as we talk about the arrival of Jesus. And we're going to start a new series today called Hope for a Weary World. Hope for a Weary World. Uh, in a moment, we're going to go together to John chapter 1. But before we go there, I, I want us to solve this morning, once and for all, one of humanity's greatest questions. When is the right time to start listening to Christmas music? We're, we're going to settle this because, how I many know, th this is actually a very heated debate. Uh, how many of you, you start once it hits December 1st? Let me see a show of hands. How many of you, it's, it's later on in December, show of hands? How many of you say after Thanksgiving, everything is ready to go? Okay, got somebody like flagging me down right there. Uh, how many of you say after, once Halloween is over, like let's, let's. Now here's the crazy thing, I was asking our staff about this earlier this week. How many of you say post Labor Day, it's, it's on? Post There's some post-Labor Day people in the house. Wow. It, you know, Christmas music is one of those things that, depending on kind of your upbringing or your familiarity with it, it creates some memories, some dynamics. I know in our house, this time of year, we have Christmas music playing as we're making dinner or just kind of hanging out. Uh, we found, I think, the, the best new Christmas playlist ever created it was given to us by our 17-year-old son. It's called a Merry Lo-Fi Christmas. Come on, super vibey. And, uh, but, you know, it, Christmas music, either you love it or you, you don't love it. Um, now, I, I love most Christmas music except any country Christmas music because that just, like, it just ruins a good thing. It ruins a good thing. Uh, some of you know this about me, my all-time favorite Christmas album, Weezer Christmas. Yes, Weezer put together a Christmas EP. I heard an applause somewhere. Come on, the Spirit of God is moving already. Uh, Weezer Christmas EP, it's like, it's excellent. But one of the songs that Weezer actually does, I think it's my all-time favorite Christmas hymn. It's a song called, Oh Holy Night. I love this song, and there's a reason because there's, there's this specific line in the song that every time I hear it, it sparks something in my faith. The, the line is this, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. I want you to think about that for a moment. The, a thrill of hope. Hope for what? You see, hope is anticipation. It's, it's expectation. A thrill of hope to the point that a weary world would rejoice. Well, what's there to rejoice over if you're, you're weary? Well, the lyric answers it. Because beyond the horizon, there seems to be breaking a brand new morning. Light, life. You see, the scripture, it's drawing back to something that Isaiah said 700 years before Jesus would walk the earth. Look with me, Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah's 
talking about the people of God and the challenge that they're up against and navigating the darkness that they've been in, but then God provides this prophetic word of hope for those who find themselves in darkness. It says this in Isaiah 9, verse 2, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Can you say light? Light. Seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. You know what that sounds like? It, It sounds like a thrill of hope. A weary world rejoicing. Why? Because light is breaking through the darkness. See, that's why we're going to spend a number of weeks talking about hope for a weary world. And here's here's truth that we need to hang on to in our lives. Jesus is hope for a weary world. Today, if, if you find yourself in a weary season, I have good news. Jesus is the hope that your heart is looking for. Jesus is hope for a weary world. Again, that idea of hope is this this anticipation, this expectation, excitement for what will be. And I know for some of us, because of maybe the dynamics or circumstances of life right now, we're like, Tyler, I don't have a lot of excitement I don't have a lot of anticipation. Maybe you are just in survival mode. I have good news for you. Jesus is hope for a weary world. So let me ask today, how's your hope level doing? If we were to go around one by one, don't worry, we're not going to do that. But if we were to somehow find the ability to measure the hope level in your life, How would the gauge be reading today? What what would your hope level register as? Maybe there was a season years ago that that you had a lot of hope, but now you've just become more realistic in life. Isn't that interesting how as adults we, we, we call it, I'm just more realistic. That's often tied to the sting of disappointment. And so we we learn over time. I'm not gonna put my hope in anything so that I won't be disappointed. How's your hope level doing? You see, as I look at our world, our culture, even our communities, I see a lot of weariness. What about you? I look around, I I observe a lot of weariness. People are worked up. Have you noticed anybody worked up lately? Probably. They're kind of on edge about anything and everything. People are worked up. People are worn out. How many of you have seen some people who are tired or fatigued lately? How many of you, you've been tired or fatigued lately, right? All the young parents couldn't even find the strength to raise their hand up right there. It's just like, not even going to give the effort. Worn out. Weary to the point where some people, they're just... They're ready to give up, ready to call it quits. Some people are just living with this constant state of of worry where fear and anxiety greet them every single morning before their feet even hit the floor. This this is the weary world in which we live. And some of that, if we step back and, and look at a very high level, maybe there's some reason for the weariness, right? 
We see people battling sickness and disease. That's not fun. We see the the sting of, of crime and injustice in our world. We see poverty. We see brokenness. If we look around, we notice violence. We see confusion. And at a high level, it's, it's easy to kind of go, yeah, I, I get why the world feels a little bit weary right now. And though we could step back and look at a high level, let's, let's focus in for a moment on our lives as, as individuals. Some of us today, we walk through these doors and we're, we're simply weary. Why? Because we're caught in that hustle to try to pay the bills and to make ends meet. And day after day, the alarm clock goes off, we, we get up, we do our thing just to wake up and do it again the next day, and, and we feel like it's just never going to end. We're, we're in this cycle of, of weariness. Some of us today, we've recently experienced the sting of a, of a broken relationship or di- disappointment in our lives, and the breakdown of those things that we, we trusted someone, we put our trust in something, and then it didn't work. We feel that weariness. We carry it. We carry it with us. What about that low-grade ache in our soul that it just feels like things are not as they should be? See, regardless of where you find yourself, my guess is at some level, whether it's a high level and you're looking out at the world or whether a more micro level and you're looking at yourself, you probably can see some weariness. This last week, uh, my dad had received some test results that he had gone in for a couple of weeks ago. And so I was asked to join this phone call. We, we had learned about a week ago, a week and a half ago, that part of the test results came back that he has a form of leukemia, blood cancer. And so I, I jumped on a FaceTime call. My parents live out of the state now, and I'm there kind of in that doctor's appointment, and the doctor said, well you know, there's, there's some additional news that we need to share with you, Tim. And it's that in addition to the leukemia, you also have bone marrow cancer. And I remember in that moment, you know, because let's be honest, I'm, I'm on that phone call not as a pastor. I'm not, I'm not sitting there going, well, let's pray, Father. You know, like, this is my dad. I'm I'm a son. And what do we do in those moments, right? Because it, it felt like one more sting that things are not as they should be. And so what do I do? How, how, do, I, how do I navigate those waves and, and the weariness that comes from that? And that's honestly where we have to put our faith into practice. And so for me on a practical level, what that looks like is multiple times over the last few days, kind of in the midst of thinking and processing, just going, God, I trust you. I can't, I learned a long time ago, maybe you learned it before me, I can't control outcomes, but I can trust God who controls all things. And I just found myself having to go again and again, Amber taught me this prayer this this last year, this was so helpful, Jesus, I give everything and everyone to you. See, that's what it looks like for me sometimes in the, in the midst of the weariness. And, and here's why I share that with you, because if you're walking through some weariness, if there's, if there's an ache in your soul today, you need to hear this. You're not alone. You're not alone. 
But also don't miss this. Because not only are you not alone, but the good news is because of Jesus, you're not without hope. You're not without hope. No matter what it is that you're facing, no matter what it is you're up against, no matter what the weariness of your world might be, you are not without hope. Why? Because Christmas is about the arrival of Jesus. The incarnation, that that God clothed himself in humanity, became one of us, suffered in our place. He lived the life we couldn't live. He died for us. But not only that, he also rose for us. And he's alive. And friend, that changes everything. Jesus is hope for a weary world. And Christmas, it's designed to to point our hearts, yes, but also our minds back to that truth. And so today, I want us to go to John chapter 1. I'm going to do something that I've never done over the last few decades of being a pastor. I have never preached a Christmas message out of John chapter 1. You ready for this? Here we go. John chapter 1, we're going to jump in at verse 1. Says this In the beginning was the Word. See, m- many times when we begin the Christmas story, we start with the angel coming to Elizabeth or to Mary. We, we start with the manger. We start with the wise men making their journey to come and worship. But notice John starts his Christmas story way before that. He actually is drawing our hearts and our minds through the inspiration of the Spirit all the way back to Genesis, where we see very similar words in the beginning. And now in this new creation through Jesus Christ, we we are drawn to this place. In the beginning was the Word. Can you say Word? Notice it's capital W. It's a proper name. John here is using the word logos in the Greek. It's the wisdom, it's the knowledge, it's the personification of God in the flesh. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Now that is a huge statement. It's massive. Because what John is trying to get his readers to understand is that Jesus is not a part of creation. Jesus is God. Jesus is the creator. Jesus is pre-existent. Jesus is there in the beginning. This is massive. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things, can you say all things? All things were created through him. And apart from him, Not one thing was created that had or has been created. Jesus was there, existing before creation. Now, this is important because this went against some first century heresy that Jesus was just another created being. But Jesus, according to John, is actually God. He is Eternal. He is existing before creation. And not only that, he's actually the one who spoke creation into existence at the beginning. 
says this in verse 4. In him was life. And that life was the light of men. Two key words that we're introduced to that John is going to repeat over and over and over and over through the rest of his gospel. In him was life, and that life was the light of mankind. In fact, towards the close of John's gospel in chapter 20, he's going to say that I've, I've written these things so that you would believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you might have life in his name. We're learning some important truths about who this Jesus is. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. Five simple verses that start in a radically different place than, than most of us begin the Christmas story. Because again, many of us, we think about the manger, we think about the, the angelic announcement to Mary, but here, John takes us through the, the Spirit's inspiration all the way back before creation. And we see that Jesus was there with the Father. He is God. And that he has a plan to set in motion. Friends, he is hope for a weary world. And there's a few things that we need to understand about this hope. Number one is this. This hope is eternal. This hope that we talk about being found in Jesus, because of what we just read, we learned something important about this hope. This hope is eternal. John uses these words, in the beginning. Again, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. John is reminding us Jesus is a part of that process, that he is the creator, and now we're learning that Jesus is also the one setting a new creation in motion, that we would experience salvation. Friends, this is a new genesis, a new beginning. This same Jesus who set that creation into motion is the one who is now setting new creation into motion. Why does this matter? It matters because it's a reminder that God is the initiator. So often we convince ourselves that it's been our pursuit of God. Somehow we, we got our lives together. We started attending church. We kind of stopped doing these things that were habits that were leading to brokenness in our lives. But no, John takes us back to the reality that God is the initiator. You see, somehow in God's wisdom, before creation, the gospel was already in work. You see, this hope, it began in eternity. The gospel is beginning in eternity. Think this thought with me. The child who was in that manger, Jesus, was the one who put the stars in the sky including the very star that led the wise men from the east to come and worship him. You see, even in creation, God is the initiator. The star that would lead the wise men to that place where the baby is in the manger, guess what? He's the same one who hung the star there in the first place. God is the initiator. And what that means is this hope 
is eternal. In other words, hope always has been and hope always will be. See, there's two important things as we consider about Jesus being both light and life. Two important things to remember. This light will never stop shining. It's eternal. It cannot be extinguished. This this light will never stop shining, and nothing can stop this light from shining. See, right there, that kind of confronts the challenges that we face, right? Because sometimes we, we face very real difficult things, and we we wonder, man, where is the light of God in a moment like this? But this is where I find hope because if that light and that hope are shining before creation, it means that nothing in creation can stop it. Sounds a lot like Paul's words in Romans chapter 8. Romans 8, he, he says this, starting in verse 35 Who can separate us from the love of God in Christ? Can affliction, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. As it's written, because of you, we are being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. In other words, this hope is eternal. It's bigger than the challenges that creation dishes our way. Nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And what this means, friend, is that this hope is not designed just to be an annual hope. See, some of us, we, we kind of, in this Christmas season, we go, oh yeah, uh, Jesus, that's right. And we feel this drive or this desire, uh, uh, Jesus, Christmas, maybe I should go to church. And if that's you, man, I'm, I'm glad you're here. But understand, this hope is not designed just to reside in our hearts once a year. See, this is not an annual hope. This is an always hope. This is a hope that exists day in and day out. Why? Because it exists from eternity. It existed before creation. I love what Paul Tripp said. He said this, the hope that never fails is found at the manger, at the cross, and at the empty tomb. There's a hope that will never fail you. Circumstances are going to fail you. People are going to fail you. Challenges are going to show up in life, but I have good news. Christmas is this reminder and this declaration. There is a hope that will never fail you, and it's found at the manger, at the cross, and at the empty tomb. You see, without the manger, there's no cross. This is why it's important for us to pause in this season. Without the arrival of Jesus, there's no cross. Without the cross, there's no empty tomb. And with no empty tomb, friends, there is no hope. But I have good news. Jesus came. He was placed in a manger. That baby grew up. 
and he lived a perfect life. And he was slaughtered on a cross as our substitute. And he was dead, placed in a grave for three days. But then something miraculous happened because death could not hold him. He rose again. And that's why this hope is eternal. Because if it did not happen, none of this matters. But since it did happen, and it existed before creation, this hope is eternal. But also, don't miss this about this hope. Second, this hope is effective. This hope is effective. It's effective. This this hope solves humanity's greatest need. And what is our greatest need? It's it's not just more encouragement or affirmation or, or even provision. Our greatest need is life and light. You see, if you pull out life and light, we're only left with two options. What is that? Death and darkness. That's it. There's nothing else. If there's no life, all we have is death. If there's no light, all we have is darkness. And John here reminds us from before creation that life and light are found in Jesus. See, John He doesn't just point us to the fact that Jesus created the physical world. Although he did that, he did more than that. He also ushered in new creation. He is the source and the sustainer of our lives. Yes, physically, but also spiritually. See, there is no life without light. But not only that, how many know there's no life without life? I know that's the most underwhelming thing I've probably ever said. (laughs) But if there's no life, all there is is death. And that's who we were before Christ. That's how we are left without hope in him. And this hope, it's not only eternal, but friends, it's effective. Jesus ushered in a new and glorious day, and he is the sustainer of all things. If you have your Bibles, I want you to look at John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5 again. I want you to notice a few things about what we learn of Jesus. In verse 1, we we learn something important, that Jesus is God. Jesus is God. Jesus is not just a good teacher, not just a miracle worker, not just an inspirational historical leader. Jesus is God. Don't miss that. But second, we learn in verse 2 that Jesus is eternal. He has existed from the very beginning. Jesus is God. Verse 2, Jesus is eternal. Verse three, Jesus is creator. Now this matters because there's some false religions that believe that Jesus is just a creation of God. No. You see, if this is not true, then we should throw John's gospel out as heretical. But we learned something important. Jesus is God. Jesus is eternal. Jesus is creator. But not only that, verse four, Jesus is sustainer. He not only set things into motion, but all things hold together in him. 
You see, if, if God created things, but then he did not include life and light in that creation, it's going nowhere. See, Jesus, he not only set things into motion, he's the sustainer of all things. He's light and life. But then verse 5, I don't know if you caught this earlier, but in verse 5 we learn that Jesus is victorious. I want you to look at these words in John chapter one, verse five, one more time and consider what they're actually saying to us and what this means to us about this hope being effective in our lives. It says this, that light shines, can you say shines? Notice this this verb both in the original language and in our English language. It is present tense active right now. What that means is this light, it not only shined back then when Jesus was on the earth, it is shining right now. It's present tense. The light of Jesus is continuing to shine. This light, it what? It shines in the darkness. You might be in a dark season in your life. Good news. That light is still shining, bright. It's enough. Not only that, The verse continues on. And yet the darkness did not. Here's a second verb. It's phrased in the past tense. And what this reminds us is even though the darkness tried, it could not. So present, it's shining. In the past, it tried to overcome it. But guess what? The light was too strong. The darkness could not overcome it. In other words, Jesus is victorious. The darkness tried and it could not, but that light, it shines in the darkness. And this is why our hope is affected because that light continues to shine. It continues to shine. It continues to shine. It existed before creation. And what that means is no no matter what creation throws at you, guess what? That light continues to shine. The darkness cannot overcome it. And that's why on this first Sunday of December, we pause and we come back to the Lord's table to celebrate communion. Would you grab those communion elements? If you didn't receive them on the way in, if you'd raise a hand, our usher team will make sure that you can receive those so you can celebrate communion with us today. See, as we prepare our hearts and we prepare our minds to come back, to what we call the Lord's table. Why do we call it that? It was at a table where Jesus had his disciples with him and he shared a meal and he took elements from a common meal. And he said that these things were for them. Here's why we celebrate communion today. It's this reminder that this hope is for you. This hope is for you. It's for you. It's for you, it's for you, it's you, it's it's for me. This hope is for us. This hope is for a weary world, why? Not just because Jesus taught some good messages or performed a couple of miracles, but he is the preexistent word of God who set all things into motion. In him is life and light. And that light, it shines in the darkness and it's still shining 
in the darkness. Before we receive communion today, I want to give us a moment of reflection. And so maybe across this room, would you take a moment and bow your heads? Take a moment to consider. What's the hope of your life? Maybe to this point, the hope of your life has been your ability to earn, your ability to prove, your ability to try. But really our, our only hope, again, Jesus, just a, he, he isn't just a hope, he's our only hope. And that's what this moment brings us back to. He's done for us what we could never do for ourselves. And today, before we receive communion, maybe you're in this place and you'd say, Tyler, today I, I need to put my trust in Jesus. I want to know that I'm forgiven. I want a fresh start with God. Scripture says the pathway to that is by putting our trust in him. It goes on to say if anyone's in Christ, they're a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Today, if that's you with heads bowed, You'd say, Tyler, today, I, I just want a fresh start with God. If that's you, would you just raise a hand, just hold it up for a moment, say, yeah, that's me, that's me, yeah, 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 yeah. You can put those hands down. Father, I thank you for how you continue to speak to us. I thank you that this hope is eternal. But not only that, this hope is effective. It's effective at still calling sons and daughters back to you to know what it's like to be forgiven, to know what it's like to be free. So Lord, I thank you for that outward sign of that internal faith with hands raised that simply said, God, I want a fresh start with you. Thank you that scripture reminds us if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. So Jesus, I thank you that on this first Sunday of December, you're making people new. We celebrate that. We rejoice in that. Today, I'm gonna to invite you to peel back that first layer as we prepare to receive communion. Would you grab that, that wafer of bread? See, today, as we are preparing our hearts to receive communion, I wanna be, be uh, intentional in reminding you that hope for your life this year, it, it won't be found in something that's wrapped under a tree. The hope that your heart is looking for, it won't be a gift placed under a tree. The hope that your heart is longing for is actually the gift that hung on the tree for you. His name is Jesus. And so rest in that today. Receive that today. So you hold that bread. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, broke it, gave thanks to God. He said to his disciples, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake of the bread today. After supper, Jesus took a cup. He said to his disciples, this cup is a new covenant confirmed in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's go ahead and partake of the cup. Can I invite you to stand all across this room? We take the last few moments that we have together 
and just express gratitude and thanks to Jesus. Jesus, thank you for your body that was given for us. Lord, you are the bread of life. You're our source. You're our provision. Only you can satisfy the cravings and the longings of our soul. Not only that, Jesus, we thank you for this cup and this reminder that it was through your blood that we're made clean, we're made new. We have forgiveness, we have freedom. We thank you for it. Lord, I pray that today our hearts would be stirred as we we remember, Jesus, you are the hope that a weary world needs. And I thank you, God, that this hope, it's eternal. What that means is that no matter what happens in creation, nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And Lord, I thank you that this hope is effective. It's still calling dead people back to life. It's still allowing that light to shine in the midst of darkness. Lord, I thank you that there is victory and that there is hope through Jesus. So Lord, let us rest in that. Let us rejoice in that today. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. In a moment, I'm going to invite our pastors and prayer team to be up front. If there's anything we can pray with you about, we would love to be able to do that. Listen, this week you're sent out on assignment. Remember, we don't just go to church. We are the church. So let's go. Let's be the church this week. God bless. We'll see you soon.